here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, let me just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. And we're back with another week of Keep It with my Oscar-nominated guest, uh, <laughs> Kara Brown. Writer for Jezebel, um, a writer of I, Tanya, <laughs> um, and Louis Vertel, yes. um, best actor in a live short. I don't know. Yep. Didn't have a joke there. I'm going to say best animated tall. That's, what, <laughs> that's as cute as my jokes get. The Oscar nominations are here, here. today. The second best day of Lewis's year. Oh my God, I'm already weeping. I can't help that I have a disorder where I just want people to get trophies in front of me. <laughs> How was it? Like already filing in the info of the nominations, as in like into my brain, like yeah. m- making it a part of cementing it. Satisfying. I wait for this all year. It's empty until we get my year is empty until I fill in that these blanks. Like wow, Mary J. Blige gets two blanks in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the Oscar nominations are here. They were announced, and they're not that controversial. This year, actually. No, I would say um, they're mostly pretty rad. The snubs are bearable for the most part. I would say James Franco is the most notable snub, and that snub is just kind of funny, unfortunately, because <laughs> we're not fans of him at the moment. Well, you so. know, time's up. Right, indeed. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard. So They really workshop that name. Times It's just so actionable. Isn't it? You can just, yeah, it works. I feel like we're going to get to a point where people are just using it for... Like, keep it? For whatever. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you can like, end any sentence with it. Literally, it's like, you know, I was on the fence about Disaster Artist and also Time's Up. <laughs> <laughs> um, the nominations were announced by Andy Circus and Tiffany Haddish. And make sure you watch as we celebrate the 90th Oscars Sunday night, March 4th on ABC. If you have the pleasure of watching them name the nominees and also watching Tiffany Haddish listen as the best supporting actresses were Ooh. announced and she wasn't one of them, I was like, who invited her to do this? Right. I was both happy that she was doing it because she would say fun things like, I guess I should see Dunkirk, which was, I don't know if you actually need to see a Tiffany Haddish, but good for that <laughs> comment. But also it's like, yeah, I did feel bad for her. It's been her year. I will say that I think she's funnier outside of Girls Trip than in Girls Trip. So I'm not super married to the idea that she needed an Oscar nomination for that. That said, she rules. She should have so, gotten a Golden Globe nom because it's, that's, the yeah, Golden exactly, Globes, like totally. whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Oscars, I I mean, in an ideal world, sure. But the Golden Globe nom to me was the actual snub. So let's go through these nominations and, you know, just chop it up on how we feel about them. I am honestly too excited. (laughs) I almost just jolted up. Like Tiffany, I did not see Dunkirk. Did it get nominated? It got a lot of nominations. A lot? Okay. Uh, Mostly in the technical categories, but it also got nominated for- Talk about a movie I'm never gonna see. You know, you don't (laughs) care about British boys on a boat? I do not. Harry Styles is in it. You could not have crafted a movie that I- could possibly care less about. 
I mean, here I am trying to convince you to Dunkirk, see Dunkirk. I haven't seen You didn't Dunkirk. see that. I didn't even see Dunkirk. I'm sorry. Um, I, have no, I didn't have any interest in seeing it. Exactly. It's not for me. Imagine Dunkirk having anything to offer that would shock you. Did you see it, Lewis? Yeah, I mean, yes, but yeah. I literally, I, you literally know more than I do. I remember very little of it. It was good. <laughs> I did watch it. I was there. The Best Picture nominations are... Call Me By Your Name. Oh, yes. Hold on. Allow me to take a popper's head right now. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Darkest Hour. Okay. Come on. All right, straights. The Winston Churchill movie. Who cares? I'm sorry. More like, I don't care about Winston Churchill. We have the crown. Yes. By the way, more like Darkest Movie. I can't see anyone in this thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Jay Edgar. Dunkirk. Okay. Heard of it. Get Out. We saw that together, We Kara. did see that together. And can I tell the story of when we walked out and this older white couple turned to our other friend Kelly and I and said, that was so funny, wasn't it? And we had to almost take a knee. And like, <laughs> I was like, it was funny for sure, not for the reasons that you think it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a laugh riot. Did you? Yeah. Love that Fruit Loop scene. Oh, the Fruit Loops was good. I would say it was a satisfying horror movie on many levels, but it would have been a satisfying horror movie if it were just about finding out how Allison Williams eats cereal, <laughs> which is one of the most unsettling things I've ever seen in a film. Yeah, you know, I love Black Strife. <laughs> God. Speaking of black people, Lady Bird. <laughs> <laughs> Nominated for Best Picture. I like Lady Bird a lot, yeah. as you will all see when I name my top 10 films of the year. Oh, my okay. God. Gene Shallot over here <laughs> with his big picks. Uh, Phantom Thread. Okay. We love Phantom Thread. I, I love Phantom Thread. Uh, Lewis and I have talked about how much we love Phantom Thread. Well, Is here's... it about invisible clothing? No. Okay. You would think so. That's what I think it's about. I still don't know what it means. Phantom Thread is apparently an old phrase where like, people who are seamstresses for years, like they find themselves sewing nothing in midair all the time. So it's like they call that Phantom Thread, like their hands still want to do the work of being a seamstress. So not like the Harry Potter cloak. No. Not that. Good guess, though. Okay. No, nobody will tell you. Day, that's like a term for like Daniel Day-Lewis, too. Do you think he like sometimes acts out his roles? From his Phantom, past. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, right. He is like obsessed and a method actor. Yeah. I feel like you could be having lunch with him and he just turns into the butcher from. He's, yeah. <laughs> He's like sucking people's milk, drinking people's milkshakes. Yeah. yeah. Like when he has like the hiccups, it's not normal hiccups. It's like Abraham Lincoln hiccups. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The Phantom Lewis. The Post. Okay. No, Come on, print media. We love you so much. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> We're killing print media right now. Indeed we are. <laughs> uh, the Shape of Water. Okay. You know what? Apparently some people are into sea monsters, and this is not a shame-based <laughs> podcast, so we're going to let it slide. This was one of the only movies that I was concerned that I hadn't seen, so I watched it last night. How do you feel? No. I would say it's too predictable. I think it's goofy, too. <laughs> by the way, they... it's, about this, it's about a mute woman who wants to fuck a fish. Totally. And by the way, and they... then there's like happy, there's like happy gay character wandering around, and um, Octavia Spencer once again playing a domestic worker. <laughs> I don't have time for it. Octavia read that script once. She's like, I will actually do this while sleepwalking. So look forward to that. Also, about that movie, I will say the one thing that's impressive about it is that it cost. $20 million. It looks like it cost about $100 million and just like, wow, you made an entire great looking movie on Megyn Kelly's salary. So that's really <laughs> exciting. And the final Best Picture nomination was 
something about three billboards. Moving on, the <laughs> lead actor category was Timothy Chalamet for Call Me By Your Name, Ugh. Daniel Day-Lewis, Daniel Kaluuya from Woo! Get Out, Gary Oldman, and Denzel Washington. Which, what? What? I don't think anybody has seen Roman J. Israel. You know what? I bet Denzel Washington is pissed that he even got nominated because he's like, ah, shit, now I got to put on a tux. He's got to do this whole song and dance. (laughs) He was like, he's forgotten he made that movie. There's no way he wants to go to the Oscars and sit there and lose. Roman J. Israel is like a film title that sounds like it was improvised on the spot. Just like, (laughs) what you got? Roman J. It's like an improv name. I'm very excited for Daniel from Get Out. I'm excited for him. Yeah. I did not think he was going to get nominated. So he, that was the happy surprise for everyone else was like, okay, that's knew that was coming. He yeah. was the happy surprise. I can't believe you said the words Timothy Chalamet without fluttering your beautiful eyelashes. He inspires me to be my most sun-kissed and charmed. The Oscar <laughs> announcer read at like 5 a.m. this morning. My eyelids are <laughs> not fluttering today. <laughs> Lead actress was Sally Hawkins, the aforementioned mute who wants to fuck a fish. <laughs> Frances McDormand for, I don't know, some movie. Uh, Margot Robbie for I, Tanya, Saoirse Ronan for Lady Bird, and Meryl Streep for The Post. Meryl also, I feel like, is pissed that she has to show up. Yeah, because nobody else no. from The Post got <laughs> nominated. No, she's going to be at her own table again. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, do I have to meet Lucas Hedges? Like, I don't, I'm not sure I'm into it. I invited the journalists from the post <laughs> to sit with me at this dinner because time's up. <laughs> <laughs> Supporting actor had a few surprises. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Call Me By Your Name boys were Army Hammer and then Michael Stolberg mm-hmm. were not nominated. Stonewall 2, take it to the streets. Uh-huh. But <laughs> Willem Dafoe was nominated for the Florida Project. Woody Harrelson and Sam Rockwell were nominated for, I don't know, some movie about billboards. Uh, Richard Jenkins was nominated for The Shape of Water. I thought he was really fabulous. I wouldn't mind if he won. He was good. Yeah. And Christopher Plummer was nominated for All the Money in the World. No, which that, is, which okay. is Iris' favorite movie. First of all, I enjoyed the movie. It's not my favorite movie. I love Michelle Williams in it. I she wasn't did. even nominated. It's zany. Also, he in that movie, the only notable thing is that he's playing a famous person. He doesn't really even get a moment. We're just commemorating that, well, can you believe he stepped in for that predator and did a good job? <laughs> There's that moment where he has to pick up newspapers that were sent to him with his grandson's kidnapping on it, and they fly around him in the wind. I thought it was very... Majestic. If I had to, but pick that a scene. wasn't hit. That was the people who threw the papers down. How much acting was he doing in that moment? Yeah, the wind was more compelling in that scene <laughs> than he was. Okay, well, you know what? I thought Willem Dafoe was actually very good in the Florida Project, a movie that I don't love, but. John Lovett will cause a scene if anyone trashes the Florida Project <laughs> oh, wow. in his presence. So we're going to move on from that movie. Don't Francis McDormand and Willem Dafoe look like they could play each other really well? <laughs> like one sometimes wears glasses. You Do know. you want to update a big business? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, now you're speaking my language. <laughs> oh, yes. And then Michael Stolberg was not nominated. And this is where I got angry. Yeah. Did you? Yeah, you know, like Tiffany had it, sure, but a white man was snubbed, <laughs> and I have something to say. Actually, he is a great actor. He was, I feel like, in every single movie this year. 
turning out performances. Right. He was Wonder Woman, yes. But he had a great speech at the end of Call Me By Your Name. He was also snubbed in 2009 for A Serious Man, which was maybe his best performance. Yeah, maybe. It was I mean, a Coen Brothers movie, too. Like, how do you not get nominated for being the lead in a Coen Brothers non-comedy? I already sense that we're going to be giving him, like, makeup nominations, like, five times in a row. I'm, like, I'm not worried for him, but he really was amazing at the end of Call Me By Your Name, where, like, he became a supernatural dad who knows all the cool gay things. Yeah. <laughs> Kara hasn't seen this movie. She's like, okay. what, what's this gay okay. stuff you're talking okay. about? I, I mean, I know what's happening. <laughs> I can, I know context clues. I can read <laughs> Figure it out. Supporting actress is Mary J. Blige for Mudbound. You know, pause. Good for Mary. Mary dropped her no-good-ass husband, recorded a dope album, got herself two Oscar nominees, dump terrible men in your life. That's the lesson already of 2018. I am actually very happy for Mary J. As you both know, I was at her birthday soiree. Mother of um, God. Oh, I didn't she... know. Oh, okay. Well, I'm announcing it. Okay. Uh, just okay. so everyone Thanks, can. Let me know. Yeah, so Thanks, everyone can know. know. <laughs> uh, I was there when she got her star on the Walk of Fame the other week. And, you know, she gave a very emotional speech about how the marriage and everything mm-hmm. had left her, you know, feeling horrible. And, like, she actually had to move into Jimmy Iovine's house because she didn't have somewhere to live. Mm. Oh, after Mitch McConnell, he's my least favorite person who looks like a turtle. (laughs) Okay, well, he gave Mary J a house, so... (laughs) That's why I said second worst, Jesus. Give Yertle some respect. (laughs) And she just talked about how when Dee Reese approached her to be, you know, act in a film, she opened up new possibilities of her career. And I think I saw that she's the first black actress to be nominated for an Oscar in a movie that was directed by a black woman. Yes. Which is sad. Well, but... black women didn't technically exist in Hollywood until oh, Taraji yeah. P. Henson True. played one. Yes. <laughs> also, for her to get an Oscar nomination when I believe her most famous film credit to date was Rock of Ages, which I believe was the most abominable noun of that year, let alone movie, is pretty awesome. She's great. She also is the first person to be nominated for an acting award and for Best Original Song. In the same year. Yeah, yeah in the same year. That is why I old. Barbara Streisand couldn't do that. Trust me, I, I tweeted about it and the internet went aflame. Did, <laughs> that's right. They were like, some people were like, first of all, Barbara Streisand would never be supporting. Uh, you ever see Meet the Fockers, idiot? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what Barbara will do. <laughs> Everybody loves a check. <laughs> There's also some other people who are nominated, but they're not Mary J. Blige. So Shout out to Leslie Manville <laughs> and Phantom Thread, who sits on the sidelines with her clipboard looking at her overbearing genius brother and then swoops in to be like, by the way, I could kick your ass if I wanted to. So I'm all for women being fierce in that regard. Rene Russo and Nightcrawler, one of those performances. Also, Rene Russo was great in Nightcrawler. She was not nominated. Precisely. Should have been nominated. Also from the director of Roman J. Israel, who can make a good movie. (laughs) I guess it just needs to not have Denzel in it. No. I'm kidding. Denzel was actually very good. He wasn't the problem in that movie. He's never the problem. Octavia Spencer also got nominated because they love when, you know, she plays a woman who cleans up stuff. (laughs) But she also said, she's like, you fucking that fish? I mean, that was all her. And she was like, okay. <laughs> she did not have one problem with it. She didn't. 
She really did not. It was sort of like a thing where it was like the gay and the black woman in the movie were like, well, your diversity is fish fucking, so <laughs> we're okay with that. It was a very silly movie. Laurie Metcalf was nominated for Scream 2. Exactly. <laughs> Lifetime Achievement Award for Scream 2. And Allison Janney was nominated for I, Tanya. She's probably going to be the winner. I, I wouldn't w- mind that. <sighs> Just because I like her. Yeah, no, she's... Uh, by the way, Allison Janney has been in, like, every movie for 30 years. I mean, if you look down her credits, I mean, American Beauty, Wolf, like, the, tons of movies you forget she was in. So for this to be her first nomination is, like seriously amazing and good for her. I wish I liked the movie more, but, you know, I'm happy. It happens. Director, it's the last one we can really talk about, is Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk, Jordan Peele for Get Out, Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird, Paul Thomas Anderson for Phantom Thread. That is a shocking nomination. No one expected that, and it is really well directed. Again, this movie is like Rebecca, which you should see, meets the September issue, which you should also see. Ooh, the September issue is so good. I'm gay. I've seen both of these. I know. Yeah. I know who you are here. All right. Honey. Alfred Hitchcock is also my secret great-grandfather. Oh. <laughs> is that so? No. <laughs> and Guillermo del Toro for the fish movie. Mm. Okay. They didn't nominate Martin McDonough for three billboards. So I think its moment is over. That also makes me think lots of people are having conversations like, is it possible this movie is stupid? Yes. There was a critic, I'm not going to name any names, who was like, I find it peculiar that there's all this, you know, how this movie went from, you know, being the awards favorite to being hated, you know, in under a month. And someone responded to him. Some people have posited that, you know, the people who saw it at Sundance were largely white. And then when other critics saw it, they noticed some racial blind spots in the movie. And he responded, that would imply that every white critic is dumb. <laughs> As, I'm like, well, you may have a point. <laughs> that was like the uh, birth of a nation when everyone's, everyone was like, this movie's incredible. And then like three black people saw it and they were like, hold up. Right. It's, it's literally almost like. that movie was terrible. The birth of a nation was trash. Having nothing to do with Nate any Parker of, any of his and stuff. his yeah, it was just rape a... um, allegations and his trial Seeing the movie was painful because it was a horrible movie. Right. Horribly written. I mean, the ending with that angel. Yeah. It was crazy. I can't put myself in the headspace of a Sundance critic because they routinely throw like their bodies on movies that like you immediately forget about. I don't know what that compulsion is to try to predict what Oscar season is, but like what happened to me, Earl, and the dying girl? The answer is (laughs) it died, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's the fact of seeing movies all the way in January, and you're also seeing them in this cluster of, like, two weeks. You're seeing, like, two, three movies a day, and you're jumbling all your thoughts together, and then you're like, these are the movies that everyone needs to care about. I feel like they just want sort of a sense of we're going to guide the eventual Mm -hmm. season later in the year, which never seems to work. And I will say, thank God they are catching Three Billboards now before it does Crash Part 2 on us again because like Crash to me was such a shock and then it took everyone like a year to be like dear god that movie was so bad 
And at least now people are realizing it just a little, still took a little too long, but a little before. Oh, I think when they make fun of Peter Dinklage's size 75 times in three billboards, it's really woke. (laughs) (laughs) They really found a cool angle on it. This year when The Darkest Hour wins, it will just be... Another year where a boring movie about a historical figure wins. What is it? What's Winston? It's just like him yelling at people. Yeah. The King's other speech. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, maybe, just maybe, when Gary Oldman and the Darkest Hour go to accept their awards, Uma Thurman will descend from the <laughs> rafters and finally spill the tea on her ex-husband. She's been waiting. She has been waiting. That, that interview she gave where yeah. she just was so angry she couldn't even form words. Yeah. Uma has been waiting. And you know what? Time's up. Indeed. <laughs> Can I do a quick performance of Uma saying, I'm angry? <laughs> I'm angry? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so we're back with the first annual Keep It Top 10. This isn't really a thing. <laughs> I just never really wrote about my top 10 movies of the year. So I decided, why not do so it? So now we get it in real time. We get yeah, to be your you get, notes app? You get it in real time. <laughs> I just want to hear your thoughts and finally share them with the world. Because why tweet them out when I could say them here and make everybody listen to them? I would much rather prefer to say you're wrong to your face. So this is much, <laughs> much more pleasurable to me. I know you would. So my number 10 movie is The Square. It is okay. a Swedish film, <laughs> and it is a comedy, and it's kind of great. Have you seen it, Liz? Um, I know somebody involved with the promotion of that movie, and I still haven't seen it, so it's actually heroic that I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I think we know the same person. Mm-hmm. He badgered me to interview the lead, but the lead is actually lovely and attractive, and he's very nice and Swedish. And I believe you. Whatever. I got a free meal out of it. So. <laughs> At Ikea? Not at Ikea. Swedish, I don't know. They eat other places. Okay. (laughs) All right. Number nine, (laughs) The Killing of a Sacred Deer. I fucking love that movie. That is Nicole Kidman married to Colin Farrell, and Colin Farrell has this teenage boy who's obsessed with him and wants to murder his kids. It's this person who seemingly is just socially awkward and you know into Colin Farrell as sort of a friend he met at a knows from a hospital and then it turns out he's psychopathic and it turns into this really demented but black comedy basically and uh Nicole Kidman a friend of mine put it really well it's a movie where every line is meant to be dark humor but because she inherently puts so much emotion to whatever she says it's a really cool mix and a really good role for her yeah also, she gives someone a hand job in a hospital parking lot. And he is not cute. So He's it's not, like, talk it, about a brave role. It, yeah. <laughs> Braver than doing Australia. Number eight, The Big Sick. That is Kumal Nagiani and Emily V. Gordon's story about their love life, basically, and how they met. I thought it was a really sweet rom-com, and it wasn't about people in a rom-com with dumb jobs and apartments that they can't afford and like a wacky black friend who's saying get together girl fuck that fish (laughs) (laughs) i thought uh holly hunter was amazing and real like something about her is just like i've got sinewy arms i'm gonna take control of the scene just so she's nailed that ray romano also amazing you know what i don't like about that movie the big scene where 
he does a stand-up set and it goes viral how badly it goes. But it's like, it's him talking about how his girlfriend is sick. That would never happen. There would never be like a YouTube viral video of someone talking on stage about how his girlfriend is sick. I mean, he would be lionized, actually. I don't know. I will say, I know it's based on a true story, but I can't wait until more non-white men actually start starring opposite women of color. Mm. Waiting for that day. Yeah. That's all I'll say. All right, Kara. Mm-hmm. Hitting them with the one, too. Mm-hmm. Number seven is A Fantastic Woman, is which is a Chilean film about a trans woman whose lover dies, and she just fights for respect the entire movie. It's just really beautiful. And Daniela Vega probably deserved some sort of nomination for that performance but it was nominated for best foreign film so also that's definitely one of the best reviewed movies of the year period like more people should just see it because it's amazing yeah it's the paddington 2 of chile (laughs) finally someone (laughs) someone said it uh number six is john wick 2 i have not seen john wick 2 have you seen john wick yes okay it's perfect so all right wick 2 john wick 2 Sets it in like Italy, and it's basically like an Anne Rice novel. There's now that bl- doesn't sound great. So why should I see it? <laughs> it's basically like a Jane Fonda Christmas oh. party where she's doing covers of Christine McVie songs from Fleetwood Mac. This person is reading me right now. <laughs> Just disregard this whole section of the podcast. Uh, number five is Lady Bird. Laurie Metcalf storming in, being your mom, who's like. A little bit harried, a little bit loving, but ultimately worried for the well-being of her family. Four is BPM, a French movie about AIDS activists in the 90s. It's kind of sad, but... (laughs) Sounds uh, like it. Yeah, well, I watched it with a British guy that I had a crush on, so it moved me. That movie is effing amazing. Yeah. There are three movies this year that gay contrarians like, and it's That's One, God's Own Country, and Personal Shopper with Kristen Stewart is the other one. So if you're gay and feeling like fighting with people, see those three, because you'll love them. <laughs> <laughs> three is Phantom Thread, which we've already established how much Lewis and I love. Yeah. Two <laughs> is Get Out. Mm-hmm. And my number one movie is Call Me By Your Name. It, Seems fair. I, I'm not going to be one of the gays who hates it. If I catch any of them in the streets, actually, we might have a problem. Also, the I wouldn't say a backlash has formed against that movie, but I've seen certain arguments that a problem people have is that it doesn't have any explicit, quote unquote, gay culture in it. You know, there's no protesting. There's no, uh, uh, you know, awareness of political climates, whatever. I just want to say that that is a what I would call a very shallow reading of that movie, because if you watch it and this is a bit of a spoiler. So if you're determined to see it, uh, you know, flash ahead. But basically, the dad admits he's closeted, and uh, he's this academic and professor, and they're away in Italy for the summer, and you realize he's funneled all of his closeted energy, for lack of a better term, into this academic life. And I just want to say, it seems ridiculous to say there's no gay culture in this movie, because isolating yourself so that you can like properly deal with your closeted feelings and making a life out of that is very gay (laughs) and very common. Arguably, I would say nothing is more gay culture than isolation. So that's my Daily Beast piece for you that was pretty depressing yeah well it's just true i mean like the amount of people that are living in isolation is like staggering i want more movies about that you know those are my top 10 movies (laughs) so monique a comedian and a oscar winner for precious based on the novel push by sapphire recently put netflix on blast for 
lowballing her when they were negotiating her doing a comedy special. She said that she wanted fans to stand with her against Netflix for their gender bias and color bias because they offered her only $500,000 to do a comedy special. And she pointed out that Amy Schumer was offered $11 million, Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock $20 million. What happened then is Wanda Sykes responded to the outcry from Monique and said that she was grateful that Monique brought it up because Netflix offered her less than half of $500,000 to do a special. That's why she found another home and went to do her comedy special on Epics. So the problem here has basically become people started accusing Monique of not deserving any money from Netflix because she's sort of been forgotten mm -hmm. until Wanda Sykes chimed in. So where do we fall on the spectrum of, you know, Monique and her fight with Netflix? I mean, if Netflix can find $100 million for Bright, I feel like they can dig up a little bit more for Monique's comedy special. And I think she made a really good point when she went to Netflix and she listed her resume and Netflix said it's not about resume, you know, bringing up the fact that you know, Amy Schumer's last movie bombed. Amy Schumer does not and will never have an Oscar. And Netflix said it's not about that. It's about bankability. But then Netflix comes back with an argument that's listing Amy Schumer's resume. And I feel like it's an argument that's often used not just by Netflix, but by Hollywood executives in general when people are saying, hey, look, Girls Trip made a lot of money. Get Out made a lot of money. Moonlight was an amazing film. And they use that argument of like, oh, well, you know, that was those were those movies, as opposed to saying, no, we can do stuff, too. And so I just think that, like, if they're going to they're offering her like four percent of what Amy Schumer they gave Amy Schumer. And like, no, does Monique deserve 11, 13 million dollars? Probably not right now. But $500,000 is offensive, and, like, if you're going to be racist, you need to be, like, less ignorant with it because that argument doesn't make any damn sense. It feels like in a just universe, they would be prying her out of retirement, being like, please let us do your comeback special where, we, where you nail it and you are, you know, beloved by stand-up audiences all over the world again. I guess my feeling is 500000 just seems low. I would like to see a whole table of what like comedians are offered for stand-up specials. They gave Ray Davis, who, by the way, you have to Google him to know what he looks like. They gave him like five million, three or five million dollars. I think he admitted that he was trying to make a joke underneath oh. Monique's Instagram when he was like, hey girl, they only gave me five million for mine or something. Do like, you think he, he was just doing, he's not funny, so. Do you think he was joking about how much he got? I mean, I'm just trying to imagine a world where someone gave him $5 million <laughs> to do anything. It's also, we're talking about Netflix, where it's like really the the place that gave us Ridiculous Six. And, you know, you just said bright. <laughs> Again, bright. Right. $100 million. The thing that I was actually shocked about was that they offered Wanda Sykes less yeah. money because I find Wanda Sykes a superior comic to Monique. So here's my thing. I think that... When we talk about things like this, we need to be more nuanced in how we dive into them. I feel like you can establish that Netflix is racist in what they're offering black women who are comedians, and that's definitely a low offer for Monique. But you can also admit that Monique is an awful person. <laughs> you know, like Monique was out here 
dragging Oprah, calling her a coon. She was saying all sorts of crazy shit about Lee Daniels. And going back to, you know, the Oscar situation, when she was nominated for Precious, you know, she made a big to-do about how she didn't want to have to do the whole process to win an Oscar. But she still ended up going. And I think that with Monique, there's always a lot of drama that she's creating that obviously a lot of this is because of the things that we do to black women in the media. But I think that it's also just because she's an awful person. She's messy. Because, I mean, Lee Daniels is messy too, but you really like were popping off on him and like talking about emails and stuff. And I'm just like, you're being messy in public and it's making your point not make sense because you look crazy. And people don't want to take your side because of the way that you're behaving. And it's the fact that like when she's talking about, you know, boycotting this company and, you know, wanting when she's talking about like not wanting white validation and like black people needing to stand together, she's sitting like in front of a trophy case of these white trophies that she wants, you know? It's like you can't on one hand be like okay, I hate this system and I don't want to be a part of it while also wanting that system to reward you. Either you're in or you're out. She picks and chooses a lot. And like, I 100%, she should have been offered more money if only because Netflix, just the fact that they're even able to give Dave Chappelle $20 million, like- They had the money. They have the money. So just on that principle alone, she should have been paid more. But also, girl, I am not canceling my Netflix off right. of this. It's a big ask for someone who has not shown up or even really like where have not to be like you have to be out there with times up, but she has not even really been vocal about other things that have been happening, at least for as far as I've seen. So I'm like, this is a big ask now just because you're slighted. There's also something kind of strange about why she would pick Amy Schumer as her like main competition. It's like, like her or not, and I, I hate even saying that because she's, I mean, Amy Schumer is in sensation, but she at some point in the past couple of years was the biggest stand-up on the planet. I mean, get over it. You know what I mean? Like she was a stadium filler, et cetera. So to pretend like it's random that she would be getting that money when it's like, no, but she's also getting these huge roles in movies too. And that's not random. You know what I mean? She's like a talent people want to reward. And one of the problems may also be that she doesn't have a lot of other female comedians to compare herself to. I mean, you're talking about Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle who are operating in entirely different stratospheres from everyone else. And part of the problem is like how many other women are Netflix giving comedy specials to that she can compare herself against? True. And I think it's probably that she thinks of herself still in that category of when she was, you know, headlining the Queens of Comedy. And she also had it in her mind that Amy Schumer demanded equal pay of Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock, which is why she got that much money. Amy Schumer gave an interview where she said she in no way thinks that she deserves equal pay to those two men. But she did ask them for more money because of what she could bring to the table, which is, I just don't think Monique really even is knowing what's going on in the comedy world because she could have referenced, like, seen how much Ali Wong made for her mm-hmm. special, how much Maria Bamford made for hers. It's like, you're a niche comic right now because you haven't been out here doing comedy. And the last thing we remember you from is when you were you know, lighten up Lee Daniels and spilling tea like a real housewife. (laughs) 
you know? Yeah. And she, also making Mariah Carey cry during that one scene where she almost oh, had a mustache. Oh, that was so good, yes. though. Yeah, she was really good. Oh. I, that's my thing, too. I'm like, you were so good and precious. Like, keep acting. She really squandered that opportunity and I, I both understand because I imagine as a black woman in Hollywood like the frustration and like the indignity she has had to deal with are just so much but she's one of those people where she just makes it really difficult to root for her and it does not mean that she does not have a point about the things that she's making but it does mean that like people will be like yeah you have a point but I'm not canceling Netflix or you have a point but I don't really care right Grace and Frankie season four just dropped I mean, Lovesick has the third season up. Like, what do you expect me to do? Yeah, I think she's right about a lot. But I think it's weird to posit it as you're either with me or against me. You know, as you're saying, basically. I'm with Grace and Frankie. Also, do you now think she's going to get more money? That's the other thing. It's like, do you think after all of this, Netflix is going to be like, oh, we're going to apologize. We're going to make up for this. Like, you're probably not going to get it at all And that's my thing, too. Ultimately, I'm like... I know that people listen to a lot of Nas, but when he's talking about Machiavelli, I don't think they read it, like the (laughs) actual book. I mean, girl, get some better money, either take the Netflix deal or do what Wanda said and get a deal somewhere else. But, I mean, if you want to do your stand-up and, like, be messy right now, we know you've dragged Oprah in the past. Like, do you not see Oprah 2020 is in the zeitgeist? Like, Mm -hmm. literally go in on Oprah as president, get trending (laughs) everywhere, get people talking about you, get people wanting you in interviews everywhere, and then be like, okay, I want to do another comedy special. Give me more money than you gave me last time. These people don't know what they're doing. They They need to scheme. Watch Young and the Restless. (laughs) Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see footprints in the sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams rub. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? <laughs> no? Uh, if you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And I am the coziest a human being can be. Because, by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's, like, pretty mild outside, and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain Mm. it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. (laughs) 
Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations. There's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the Black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. <laughs> Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. And here we are at my favorite moment of the week. It's the keep it segment, you know, where we say no thanks to something in the Hollywood news. I'm going to let you go first, Kara. Oh, man. So, Megan Kelly. Um, she's back? She will not go away. I think she's a sensible bigot. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. So, Megan Kelly gave a rambling, petty speech about Jane Fonda, who appeared on her show a few months ago. And during the interview, Megan Kelly, out of goddamn nowhere, asked Jane Fonda about her plastic surgery. And she did not appreciate that line of questioning. And then... Recently, Megyn Kelly starts her show with this very serious monologue about how Jane Fonda used to hate veterans or some shit like that. And like basically that she's been talking about her plastic surgery everywhere else, but she didn't want to talk about it with me, which like no shit, girl. Nobody wants to talk about anything with you. That's why your show is flailing. But it just was so dumb and petty even for her. And I'm like, you're going to go after Jane Fonda? Like, is that the fight you think you're going to win? Also, this was weeks ago. It was forever ago. And if you want to talk about this woman not talking about her plastic surgery in public, like homegirl, glass houses, stones. Because we haven't heard you talk about anything. And please. Also, that's what bothers me. It's like, by Megan's own admission, Jane Fonda has talked about this a million times. I'm literally wearing a shirt with Jane Fonda's mugshot on it, so this is a very personal issue to me. But it's like, Jane Fonda will gladly answer questions about it, but when you literally guerrilla attack style question her about it in the middle of a junket interview basically about her movie it's like that feels disingenuous and you being like you can't possibly be a realistic representative movie star at 80 because you've had plastic surgery it's like that is a dated line of questioning that is shitty and she doesn't have to answer you or find you rad megan kelly you mean she's a terrible journalist yeah and also celebrity interviewer yes (laughs) also the fact of trying to bring up some old shit about like the fact that like Jane Fonda's political stuff from right. the 70s like 
What does that have to do with now? And it by the way, you had, you had Jane Fonda on your show, so clearly it didn't bother you, this political stuff. It was tired, just like her ratings. Lewis, what's your keep it? I feel like the internet is very much into keeping it this week with this topic, and I apologize for repeating anything you may have already seen, but the Razzies, I can't believe the Razzies still exist. If you're not <laughs> familiar, the Golden Raspberry Awards are what uh, you know honor the worst in movies every year. And it's just, I don't know if you've heard, but we actually built this other system for snarking on bad movies all the time, and it's called the internet. So we actually don't need <laughs> this thing anymore. The Razzies came about in like the early 80s when people started getting, I would say, religious about the Oscars. I think that really crested then with things like Sally Field's speech and Meryl Streep coming uh, into fame. You know, that's when the Oscar became like the Nobel Prize, which it kind of still is for some reason. You know what I mean? And I also, well, a couple of things. First of all, Jennifer Lawrence got nominated for mother and you would never ever accuse her of being the problem with that movie and it's also it's so very kicking people when they're down it's like no one would ever accuse kim basinger of being a saint in 50 shades whatever but you're like nominating her as if somehow like it's satisfying to say she's bad it's like look she was nominated yes she was great in 50 shades there was a point where she wanted to like ruin Dakota Johnson's life, so she dressed up as a waitress and snuck into the party and confronted her in the bathroom. It was like, you know, I used to fuck him before you. <laughs> Kim Basinger was serving in that movie, so fuck the rest. Yeah, I'm now I'm extra angry, uh, and I, I say that as somebody who thinks her Oscar win is one of the worst ever. Like I should be on the yes, let's continue to hate Kim Basinger, but it just feels needless and unfunny. The Razzies are not funny. Yeah. All right. My keep it is a little political. It's someone who was a top part of the Trump administration. Um, They're really the reason why the government was working. And I think them leaving probably had something to do with the government shutting down. Omarosa. (laughs) She signed on with the um, American Program Bureau so she can start giving $50,000 speeches over the next few months. On She's what? going on a speaking tour. But the thing that made me say keep it was the head of the American Program Bureau told TMZ, since it's Black History Month and Women's History Month, I'm sure Omarosa will be in high demand as she has always been. Oh, girl. <laughs> As both of those things. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Who is asking you, for That her? person has never met a black woman in their life quite clearly, if that suggestion is even being hinted at. As much as I like saying the words Omarosa Manigault Stallworth, just to myself <laughs> out loud in a mirror. Omarosa Manigault Newman now. Right. She's she, the Erica Kane of our time. Precisely. Um, she offers nothing to society, and I need to not have her give speeches anywhere. High demand for you Black should... History Month. Like, where? On Fox News talking about how black people are ungrateful? Anyone who pays her money for speeches should be audited. Because, <laughs> I, like, you've got to be kidding me. Did I, did I expose this story before? Years ago at the Television Critics, uh, what is that called? TCA. Michael Clark Duncan, who was then alive, was the star of a TV show, and he was appearing on a panel. And I was sitting in the audience, just like an entertainment journalist at the time, and somebody was running around taking pictures by the stage and screaming, Michael! Like, she wouldn't stop. And, like, over the line of questioning, I was, and I looked at her, I was like, that looks like Omarosa. This is a woman who was literally acting as paparazzi to her own then-boyfriend. <laughs> 
at, at like a journalistic conference and like screaming so that we would notice her. I'm just so sorry. I'm coping with it even now. It's been like seven years. Also, R.I.P. Michael Clark Duncan. I love how her speaking. Lewis, <laughs> <laughs> you I'm sound not, like. I'm not laughing. Yes. Um, do you remember when Latoya Jackson said that Omarosa killed Michael Clark so Duncan? Oh, yes. It was on The Celebrity Apprentice. They got into a fight, and Latoya insisted that Omarosa was the reason why her husband was dead. So mean. And Omarosa, I think, sued her. Jesus. This, these are the people that Donald Trump keeps in his life. <laughs> God, oh, I miss God. Latoya. Latoya has that look like she could be like Bjork's grandmother. That's her, that's her current look. <laughs> um, so I think we can all agree that the only black speaking engagement Omarosa will have in February is at the Rachel Dolezal hair show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kara and Lewis, for joining me once again this week. Um, I'm welcome. (laughs) uh, We'll see you next week. For some reason, the internet every week keeps saying, I hope they're coming back. Guys, you have no idea how badly he wants to get rid of us, and you are keeping this going, so thank you. I'm clinging to the table. (laughs) Um, Lewis, tell people where they can find you. I'm sad to say you can find me on Twitter still, at Lewis Vertel. And Kara? I chew him on Twitter, and sometimes Instagram, at Kara R. Brown. Yeah, follow me on Instagram, too, at King Ira Ira Ira. I'm getting a lot of, you know follows lately and it's exciting me i think i like instagram now did you not before i mean i liked it but you know now i love it of course you do i like validation (laughs) yeah what a beautiful evolution we're all terribly proud of you all right that's been keep it you two can go now (laughs) if you're shopping while working eating or even listening to this podcast then you know and love the thrill of the hunt but are you getting the thrill of the best deals Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Nike, Walmart, and Zappos. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you can get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.